Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast. This is episode number 15 with Joanna Schroeder. I uh, talked to her a little while back uh, just about her journey and her uh, kind of life of geekdom. Uh, she's a proud geek mom, uh, writer, and uh, I just found her through the Good Men Project that she used to work at. Now she does really interesting work at Your Tango. Um, so definitely connect with her. She is just a great person, really enjoyed uh, just really getting passionate and geeking out with her. Um, and yeah, this is just a really fun episode. So I know you will enjoy it. Everything we talked about as usual will be in the show notes. Uh, and, um, in case anyone, uh, hasn't heard, um, I'll probably do it a couple of times here in the intros. This podcast is now a proud member of the connect edu podcast network, uh, that is connecting higher ed professionals together uh, to have kind of diverse and thoughtful, relevant, engaging discussions. Uh, so it's a whole network of other awesome podcasts, uh, and you can check us out at connectedu.network and find us on Twitter at connectedupod. Um, so I'm really excited to see that move forward um, and kind of, uh, yeah, just continuing to grow this show and kind of the uh, community around it. So uh, with that and without further ado, this is episode number 15 with Joanna Schroeder. It's an honor to have our good friends at SwiftKick be a sponsor of the podcast because I've seen their work firsthand and it's truly unlike any student leadership training I've experienced. They've been voted best student leadership program unprecedented five times, so you know they must be doing something right. As a bonus for our listeners, SwiftKick is giving a $500 discount off their normal speaking fee if you mention Higher Ed Geek when you contact them. I highly recommend their trainings for your campus as your students will be talking about it for months afterwards. It's really great stuff. Check them out, SwiftKickHQ.com to learn more and let them know I sent you. Now, back to the show. Yeah, it's just, it's funny that you mentioned like the like gaming headphones and stuff because yeah, it's like, I was trying to figure out like a, a joke about them or something. It's just like, I feel like they're like the fanny pack of headphones, like they're like gaming headphones because yeah. they're like, they work really well. They're actually very functional, but they look very goofy. So it's like, yeah. I think there's a market now for like cool looking, like high end headphones. But um, yeah, it's just like, cause I also just got a pair, like, uh, cause I do a lot of my gaming on like my, my PlayStation. So my brother was like, you need these. They're like, like I have some, they're really great. So um, yeah. My my son got a new pair, so I'm on his old one. So hopefully they sound okay. Um, yeah, everything sounds good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time out, and I, uh, I think I got turned on to you originally just through the the work that you were doing for the Good Men Project, and I've just continued to kind of you know follow their stuff for a while now. But I know you've just kind of continued to have a uh, a long career in like online writing and stuff. So um, it'd be cool just to to hear more about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you just want to start out, um, just giving a brief introduction of yourself and kind of the, you know, the quick version of your professional journey of how you got to be where you are today. So yeah, so I'm Joanna Schroeder and I'm a writer and an editor and a media critic and I'm a feminist. Um, sometimes I put feminist in front of all those other things. Uh, but there's a lot to write about and a lot to critique and a lot to talk about that doesn't have to do with feminism. So sometimes when you modify all of those those uh, those terms by putting feminists in front of it, it, it kind of limits you. So I do all of those things. I'm a feminist. I'm a mother, and, and I see the world kind of through all of those lenses. I also have ADHD, and so I I try to also see the world through the through the lens of different challenges that people face and trying to have compassion for the fact that we all 
perceive the world differently to some degree and not expecting everybody to do everything the same way. It's kind of helpful in that way. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I started out, I went to Hampshire College for a year. I transferred out to UCLA. I was much happier at UCLA. I studied uh, women and gender studies. Um, I studied literature and I studied queer studies when I was at UCLA. And so I have some background in that. But when I when I was in college, I was working my way through in retail and retail was so profitable at that time. I just stayed in retail and I kind of lost track of a lot of the the passion causes that had, that had fueled me through high school and college. And that was kind of a shame, but I picked them back up when I got a little bit older. After I had kids, I was just kind of dying to work and the market had crashed and there wasn't really any retail work and it wasn't that satisfying anyway at the time. And so I started writing a an old Tumblr blog with my best guy friend, Eli. It was called She Said, He Said. I don't even know if you can find it. Hmm. But what we did was we gave like dating and relationship advice from the perspective of like your best guy friend and your best girlfriend. So totally non-therapeutic, non-professional advice. And we tried to be very progressive. That's who we are. We went to Hampshire together. We were like progressives to our core. Our parents are progressives. And so we tried to be helpful and break stereotypes the best we could. And we got picked up by the Good Men Project. And that quickly for me uh, introduced me to what the Good Men Project was doing. And, and the, the Good Men Project was a, is a, if people who don't know, it's a, it's an online magazine dedicated to exploring the issues around masculinity in the 21st century and how that's changing. And I was at that time a mother of two little boys and very interested in masculinity coming from a gender studies lens. I, I hadn't even thought much about how, as the role of women in society had changed, the role of men in society was changing just as rapidly. And how necessary it is to pay attention to that. It's not something we can just say, well, of course it's changing. You guys better adjust. It's not, that's not how the world works. It's not how humans work. So I went from writing this little fun Tumblr with my friend to helping run this massive um, online magazine and becoming part of what ended up being a movement. And I started a freelance career from there. Eventually I left and moved over to where I am now, which is your tango. And your tango is a totally different thing. Like it doesn't have a particular progressive mission, but I came on because it is one of the very rare spaces online. That's a small, still privately owned um, online magazine. It's owned and run entirely by women. We do have some guys, but a lot of times when you look at women's media, with few exceptions, it is media that's either owned by a giant conglomerate or it is owned by a man who hired women to run it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I think it's great that men wanted to get into progressive women's media. But for me to know that Andrea Miller owned this company and started it, it was her passion and hired these other people to help her build it that were women. I was like, I belong there. So I was really excited that they gave me the opportunity to come on. So I've been there now for a couple of years and it's great. It's really fun. It's a great way to have consistent income and they let me be who I am and they let me geek out about stuff. So, you know, I wanted to, of course I wanted to write about Wonder Woman when Wonder <laughs> Woman came out and they were like, write a list, 
write whatever you want about Wonder Woman. And, you know, sometimes things come up and, and I go, well, this is too obscure to write about. And Sabrina, our, who's my boss, will say, go write about it. If you're interested, someone else is interested. And we have a, a, a young lady who's one of our editorial fellows who was passionate about K-pop. And, and this K-pop star died and she was devastated. And we said, you have to write about that. And she wrote about that. And so... And it would became it actually became wildly popular her post because she wrote about it from the fan perspective and did a little research and had some facts and it went kind of wild. So what we have found is that even if you don't necessarily call yourself a geek or a nerd or feel like you're part of you know you don't necessarily even say you're part of fandom, we all have our passions and it's awesome that we work in a, a community where those passions are fostered and and allowed to just shine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, yeah, it's really interesting. Cause yeah, I always say it's just like, yeah, we all geek out about something and it's just like, cause I mean like certainly certain things are mainstream, like sports or cars and like, you know, it's almost like accepted or encouraged. And then like other stuff, you know, we're kind of moving at least in a better direction, like respecting people's enthusiasm for whatever it is they're into. And I think in this age of just like where we're awash in content, it's like people can find their little niche, communities and stuff and yeah like people who are into k-pop and were you know followers of that artist who passed away or whatever you know like they can you know engage with that story or other people who don't even know about it can just like explore this other aspect of life like it's a it's a reality that people experience and like cause they, yeah just like podcasts and blogs and uh you know youtube videos and like vloggers and stuff like there's just all these little pockets where you can just like tell stories of humanity and just like allow those little pieces of art and just beauty to flourish and stuff. So it's really cool. Yeah. Just like when you're in an environment that, like you said, it kind of encourages like nurturing those passions. And I know for you, it's just, you know, why I think I was kind of drawn to having you on was that idea of like, how you sort of have this interest and uh, passion for, um, you know, feminism and, you are kind of combining it with what you're good at or just like you've you know, been working in kind of online publications and writing and stuff for years. It's like that, that's again, I'm, I'm always trying to highlight that kind of, or I feel like I've figured out this like secret formula that I think that's where a lot of people like do what you're good at, but also like do what you're interested in. Because I think sometimes it's like people talk a lot about one or the other. Um, so it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think segueing, I guess. Yeah. Cause like you kind of, cultivated some of that interest when you were like an undergrad in college so it's interesting kind of seeing that through line where it was like that's always going to be a part of who you are whether you're like writing about it every day that's how you're kind of looking at the world and you'll notice patterns or just sort of have that commentary um, on one thing or another with that kind of you know foundation that you have well the interesting thing and something that I learned from watching Caitlin who's our editorial fellow who was devastated by the loss of this k-pop star I didn't understand K-pop. I knew nothing about it. Of course, I respected that it's a thing that people do. I, I, I didn't know, you know. And what I watched through her was the way in which it's so important to be connected to something. And for her, she was so connected to this young man and so connected to the group he was in and so connected to other fans and knew everything about him and all these things about his life and his things he'd gone through. And he had so sadly committed suicide. And for her, it was, it was like a friend and some people, you know, I, I saw her mention that there were people who weren't necessarily, um, 
compassionate about the fact that for her it was a real loss. But it was very clear to us who work with her and to me that that this was a friend. And watching people minimize that it was crushing because she was heartbroken. She was so affected by, by his loss and the role of fandom, especially now that we have these online communities is, can be so powerful in someone's life. You know, she, I, I don't know, I can't speak for her, but, but clearly this was a very real relationship she had with all the people who also loved him and having all this knowledge was very fulfilling and she's talented at a number of things, but that knowledge gave her something in her life and all of that information following him. And, and it was a real loss. And, you know, it's an interesting thing about fandom because, you know, when I was young, we had the internet, but it was, I don't know how old you are. I'm definitely older, but we, you know, it was, you usually went to the library to see the the internet or your very rich friend's house. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you dialed up and you had, you had web crawler or whatever. And, you could look up a thing and we used to sit down and we would die. love the thing we were looking up. I, I honestly can't even remember what we would have been looking up, but um, you know, let's say it was like Joey McIntyre from new kids on the block. I don't think that's right. Cause I think I was, think I was too old by the time the internet came out for that, but I could be wrong. But let's just say it was something silly like that. Like you type that in. Oh no. I mean, listen, by the time the internet came out, it was the Indigo girls. That's who we loved. So it's like, listen, you're typing in Indigo girls. It was like you typed it in and it would it would it would the page would go so slow that we would literally go and make a cup of coffee and like put in the fancy milk and the sugar and then we would all go as our like friend group to sit in front of the computer to watch it finish loading that page and um so the there were those communities there was AOL and everything and it, but now it's so accessible and we're so into it but like it's a gift. I remember when I was diagnosed with celiac disease in 1997, I found every answer for what it meant to eat and not eat gluten online in a GeoCities account. And that connection is huge. Now it's like I go on Twitter and I know who the women are who love the same comics as me. Like I know who read the last issue of, of Wasp before I did and so that I could emotionally prepare for that thing. And it took one second on my phone and it connects me. And I don't know anybody in my real life except for Timmy who owns the comic shop nearby who would have any connection or wanting to talk about what it felt like to have Wasp be canceled so early. And what it meant to have Wasp come out in the first place. So that is a huge evolution. To me, it feels like it was five years of my life. It was 25 years of my life. But it was a huge evolution from that. All of us gathered in front of the screen together to have an experience. To all of us meeting up screen to screen to screen to screen around the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely wild. Yeah, just like, because yeah, I think that community is important. Like what you're saying of like, I think and it's so important like you're saying people would like wait a very long time to like you know go and be a part of these communities when the internet was not as fast as it is now so um yeah just like genuinely connecting about what you're into and just like having that real bond um yeah is so important and also just like because that's definitely where some of the like toxicity and kind of fandom communities is like the things that I like are right. The things that you like are dumb and you're dumb for liking that. It's just like, yeah. Hey, nobody like has to like all the same things or like them in the same ways. Just like accept it and like, just move on. Like just relax. It's, it's not hurting the way that you enjoy a thing to have somebody else enjoying it in a different way. Or like, if they don't like it, then 
that's okay because you might not like something that they like and it's yeah it's being more or interpreting it differently yeah. like yeah. Yeah. you know we all I, I we're gonna there's gonna be some last jedi spoilers coming up but we all have opinions about you know does ray ever really find out who her parents are and is he lying or is he telling the truth kylo ren when he tells her who her parents are and what's you know everyone has an opinion that's the fun of it, this opinion. And, and I was in a conversation with someone on social media that um, this person started to get really mad about the fact that I said he has motivation to lie. And I had evidence, you know, geek evidence <laughs> from my, you know, analysis of why I thought that he has evidence to lie. It's abuse narrative. He's, you know, it's a very typical kind of relationship that he's doing and i i stated it and this person was so mad and i said listen i can i i i'm guessing that you're irritated and frustrated right now and i'm not here for that it's a movie and i i appreciate that you feel something differently and that person didn't have any more conversation with me the fact was like i'm not here to argue it because and maybe it's because i have a literature background from college but you know, text, all text, all media has, is there to be analyzed. And it's fun to look at it and have a conversation about who might Ray be. She may be nobody, or is she a Skywalker? Or like, who is she? We don't know. Okay. That's what's fun. That's why we watch it. They don't, and they're smart when they make these movies, they don't give us all the answers so that we can all go online and fight about it. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's fun. But if someone's going to be a jerk about it, you're like, I'm not here for that. But sometimes I wonder if they, if we go to that, we all get emotional about stuff. Okay. I do for sure. Someone's, Oh, you know, like I'm upset. James Cameron says wonder woman was too sexualized. Okay. I can get upset about that. Cause I see it in a bigger context. You know, well, he's the big boss of what sexualizes women and what harms women. Great. Thanks for that. James Cameron. But like in general, if people's intentions are good, I'm not going to get upset, but sometimes that, overwrought I'm so angry at you thing is it's about something deeper right yeah and that yeah. person maybe needs a little balance in their life yeah. you gotta be careful not to see that in other people too at least I feel like I do mm-hmm. yeah because I think yeah there's definitely a problem of just like outrage culture on the internet in general <laughs> yeah just like if somebody's mad about something it's like okay you're really not mad about yeah like this one detail of this one show or movie or whatever, you know, there's something else going on. And I think, yeah, if you're just yeah. like feeding the trolls then that's only, you know, exacerbating the issue. But, um, but I guess it sounds like you're, you're kind of like me, like you certainly, you know, take your entertainment very seriously. Like you like to think about it and do all that. And I, I honestly did not even think about that when I saw last Jedi <gasps> the first time where it's just like, Oh yeah. I mean, I guess he does actually have motivation to lie <laughs> because it was so just like, nonchalant it would either be like oh wow it's like subversive that they revealed something in such a just like cavalier way but it's also like well i mean it was such in passing it just like you know he was just sort of like you know blowing it off and just like that doesn't even matter like you're nobody whatever like it's like okay yeah. Yeah, he could have just been lying like obviously it was it would serve its purpose to do that whatever um so yeah like that is the fun stuff totally, I agree with you. Like, yeah <laughs> it, the two interesting analyses for me of that is my my theory is he wants her to do what he wants her to do for him. He doesn't actually care about her. So he's saying, you're nobody, but 
if you were with me, you'd be somebody, which is like, that's an abuse narrative. That's very common in interpersonal relationships where one person is being abusive. And we know that he has an abusive personality. Like we know he's not stable. Right. And then somebody else countered it with something awesome, which they said, he's, he's actually like, not even that complex. He's such a child. He's such a little boy with his like tantrums. He's like, I want that. Or I don't want that. Or you're yucky. You know, you kind of see him as this almost guileless. So then you go, well, could he really have calculated that? You know, like if she came from, from, you know, Jedi royalty, would he be able to go? But if I tell her that, will she realize how important she is and think she doesn't need me? And it was people, I think it's a very solid argument for someone to say, no, he can't even think that way. He's not that complex. He's, he's all emotion. Yeah. Doesn't have, not, so that's, I think both are very valid arguments. So we could go either way. And that's what's fun. We don't know. We can't wait yeah. to find out who were her parents. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. Cause I could be like the entirety of this episode is just processing Last Jedi. Cause yeah, it was such a very complex and complicated movie. And I can see why some people liked it and see why some people enjoyed it. And I was like, it was a fun movie. Like definitely did not go the way I expected, but I'm not getting too worked up about it. Um, but uh, so I guess, yeah, what I was sort of like getting at is because, yeah, like you like looking at things through like this critical lens and just like thinking about stuff and then sort of creating the content, putting it out into the world, having those conversations. So I guess, is that kind of just what you enjoy most about your current work is just kind of being in that space a lot of the time, you know, that that is where you feel like you're kind of thriving and you, you enjoy that. So yeah, like what is it that you enjoy well, right now about the work that you do? The interesting thing about the work that I do right now is um, I get to work in a program that your tango has with experts. So like people who have expertise in some field and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a specific type, but they're generally therapists or counselors or some like there's astrologers, people who are out to help people who what they do is they come to us and we help we help certain groups of them um, brand themselves. So in a way, it's like they come to us and I say. I help them mine the thing in their career that will help them launch into internet, um, <laughs> not notoriety, but carving a niche for themselves on the internet. So for me, that's fun because I carved a niche for myself. I built a brand um, as as kind of wacky and disparate as my brand may be from all the way from, you know, abuse, male abuse survivors to feminism to comic books. This It is a brand. I think it's recognizable to a degree mostly, you know, just by being true to myself. So I help them do that. So that is a really fulfilling thing. And the interesting thing for me is I think if you have that kind of geeking out inside of you, I think I was born this way, that I love to know everything about a thing and then talk to people about it. That if that when these clients come to us in this program and say this person's expertise is in a certain type of marriage counseling, then I have the opportunity to talk to them and learn everything about it. And then I go, okay, here's what's cool. Here's what I think people will like. Here's what I think you should write about. Here's how I think we can sell this. Here's the partner I think is going to pick this up. So in that way, like I get to geek out about what they geek out about, but I don't have to commit to it forever. <laughs> like, okay, I'm done with marriage counseling. Now I'm moving on to somebody whose expertise is in managing anxiety. So I get to go from thing to thing like that. And I get this little bit of knowledge about all these different things. And so that is super, super, super fun for me. And it's a steady paycheck on top of that. So it's fun for me. And I get a paycheck working freelance is super stressful uh, because you have a million different people to invoice. You don't know where your paycheck is coming from. So I am like beyond 
grateful that I get to do what I do and work for women and, and have all of these clients from every stripe and help them find their thing. And I think having that kind of like geeking out tendency only helps in that way. But you, here's the funny thing. Like when you think about what I do for my career right now, the thing that pays the bills, there are so many different ways in which it would surprise people to know what I do when I'm not doing that is it's like, you know, I love to go to the comic shop and just talk to Timmy and the people that work there and his friends and like just hear everything that they think and feel about whatever the comic controversy is right now mm-hmm. or whatever's new or what about this cover? Do you hate it? Do you love it? I love that. That is so fun, but it's not totally unrelated to somebody else who's writing a book about anxiety. All of those things feed in together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, just generally, again, just talking to people about the things that they're into and enthusiastic about and just, like, because I've talked with other people for the podcast and it is just, like, that's such a great way to kind of form connections. And then certainly you can, like, kind of solidify the bond, like, once you kind of move past past that. But, like, people want to talk about the things that they're into. That's why they're kind of, like, into them. You know, like, so, yeah, if you're just sort of – because that's sometimes, like, I've, I've been in – kind of experimenting phases where I'm like, like, I wonder like how people would respond if you just walked up, you know, in like a networking event, like a happy hour. And you're just like, you know, you introduce yourselves and you're just like, so like, what do you geek out about? Like, what are the things that you just get super excited about? And then people will often just like really get into it. And it's just like, yeah, being in that space where it's like sort of that infectious enthusiasm and just getting someone's feelings about things and just like kind of reciprocating that energy. Um, yeah. It's just like a great way to build connections and just like, uh, you know, just see yeah. see more of the world and kind of understand more people's perspectives on it. Um, it's also get, nice because you, know. you can take things out of the realm of money making. Like, what do you do for work? Is such a such a um, what's your status kind of question. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a doctor or a lawyer? You know that kind of a thing. It's like, what do you geek out about? Is cool because it while it might tie into work, most of the time someone then has the freedom to say like, Oh, I'm building my own surfboards or I'm, you know, I'm really interested in sustainable agriculture. Like (laughs) then, and, and you don't need to, it takes this pressure off people to have to be high status. I live in Los Angeles and maybe that's why I think this is a big issue, but it's a big issue here where people kind of just want to know, are you of value to me in my whatever it is, status seeking or my career in entertainment and the opportunity to step away from that is, and, and to help other people get out of that cycle. I like that question. Cause I think it does that. I think it takes away from, it takes power away from that status thing and right. puts it more on like, who are you? Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I get that vibe here in kind of the, the greater DC area as well. It's definitely yes. like a lot of movers and shakers kind of thing, you know, just like, yeah, people wanting to know like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, what, what, what can you give me? Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned some of the things, I mean, obviously like you're big into comics. Uh, so I guess just we can get into specific things that you want to recommend uh, again, a little bit towards the end of the episode, but just kind of thematically um, like, what are some of the things that you're into kind of you're geeking out about currently? And are they things that you've always been into or that you've just recently discovered? Oh gosh, it's like I said, I have all these things I've always geeked out about that are so unrelated to each other. But yeah, I mean, so here's the thing being employed full time and having two kids, it's an interesting thing because you start to, um, 
you have to give certain things up that you're really passionate about. So I, I still really geek out about the things that are related to feminist parenting are probably my primary occupations and the things that if you ask me, what are you really passionate about? There's those things might be involved. But when it comes to like my media, it's an interesting thing. I didn't even consciously make this shift but I, I went from watching what everybody else watched on TV 15 to 10 years ago to all of a sudden I couldn't stand most of the stuff that what people that people were watching on TV. Um, like I, like I watched two and a half men when like 12 years ago, like and now I turn it on. and I'm like, oh, God, mm. this is awful. This these people are disgusting. They're reprehensible. I hate them. And then the media has TV has changed so much in that time given us such better alternatives. And I remember last year realizing I don't watch anything on TV that doesn't have a person of color in the first, like the top three billing names, like the top three characters. That's mm -hmm. first of all, we watch, I watch all of the air, all of the Arrowverse shows and they've in the last years, especially done a really good job integrate, integrating them and making them look more diverse. Yes, they're still generally led by white people, but you, you, the women are such strong characters. The, the, the black characters, especially more recently have evolved to be more than just helpers to the white characters. And, and without even knowing that that is the force at work, I'm more comfortable watching it. It's more fun for me because we've seen so many stories about your typical like playboy white guys, like, so, you know, that two and a half men kind of sitcom thing or all the CSI kind of stories with the crime solvers is that all, the superhero stuff is already was already striving for diversity. I think because the geek community had been pushing it before the net the people who watch network media had been, you know, so there's, I feel like in some ways, if you're a fan of comics, you're already a step ahead as far as progressive values. Right. But then of course there's like the Shondaland stuff that's mostly led by women of color all of those kinds of shows, I, I was like, I didn't even realize this. There wasn't one that I was watching that wasn't somehow very progressive. And it was totally by accident. It just became what I was more comfortable with. Now my big network show that doesn't have any women in the lead is Lethal Weapon. <laughs> like I'm <laughs> obsessed with Lethal Weapon. I can't, I'm like, it's the only like traditional kind of TV network show I watch. I watched The Good Place, too, of course, but I don't think there's anything traditional about The Good Place. But, like, Lethal Weapon is awesome. It's not be, it's not trying to be progressive. It's progressive in its own way. Yes, it's led by two guys, but, like, there's the, the, the female characters are totally different than what female characters would have been like in a Lethal Weapon from the 80s or 90s. It's awesome. It's so fun. It's entertaining. It's great. I love that show. And, and of course, we watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right. and... I mean, there we had two Asian American characters in leads from the start. So it's just been really cool to see how the media that my children are seeing when they watch TV with us has changed so much compared to what we were watching even 12 to 15 years ago. And it's funny how you don't, I don't notice it right away, probably because of my sort of privileged perspective. I don't notice right away that it's diverse until it'll hit me and I'll go, Oh yeah. Or I'll turn something on. Like my kids love big bang theory, which has gotten much 
less offensive in the last few years. <laughs> and I watch it and I'm like, oh my God, all these white people, white people, white people. And then even the Indian guy forever was such a caricature. And like, it was so uncomfortable to watch. Now I see that. I'm like, it's so uncomfortable. My kids have started watching Seinfeld reruns. <laughs> and uh, I watch it with them because I'll be like, okay, you guys understand why what they're doing is offensive, right? And so I think it's better for them to watch it and at least hear like, okay, you understand, right? Like you wouldn't say that now. This is a long time ago. You know, and it's uh, media is complicated because it's not like you can just watch it and turn off your brain anymore. We're all so engaged, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. Probably not. No, yeah, I mean, I, I covered it, man. Yeah, it's like a yeah, healthy diet of all. I watch a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, and like I'm excited. Just the, I mean, it really adds a big dose of diversity that. Um, the Arrowverse, and I guess I'm not even sure exactly how it works into the greater Arrowverse. I'm sure they're going to wait to see how it like pans out or whatever. But like Black Lightning is going to premiere soon. Yeah. And that's just like African American yeah. driven show. Like because I, I think like the how it fits into the timeline is weird, but I'm sure they'll they'll figure it out if it's like okay, like super popular show. Okay, we're doing a crossover. Like um, yeah. yeah, they did it with Supergirl. They right. were like, oh, you're not even in this universe, but. But Flash can jump over and get you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, sure. like, because it's popular, like, we will figure it out. Because <laughs> um, yeah, like now, yeah, because like the most recent crossover, it's like okay, Supergirl just has literally a thing in her pocket; she can just jump between universes because it's like okay, yeah. she needs to be here. She needs to like be here on demand. Just like we don't have to come up with some convoluted like way to get her ear. Um, but like that's why we like it. That's why I like it. I like it because they can go. Let's solve this problem. Oh, here's the solution. You know, you're not watching it because it has to be exactly like real life. So as long as it's not, I mean, it's funny how we have this, and I'm sure there's a term for it that I don't know, but it's like, we, it's already not believable. Okay. It's just not, we are, it's not believable that Supergirl came from another planet, right? It's that this isn't believable. We don't think it's going to be believable going into it. That's not what we're doing here. Okay. But like, there will be a point and the button is one of them probably where you go like, okay, now that's too far. I'm sure there's a name for that where you get to that point. And it's like, well, is it really too far? And then we all adjust to it. We're like, well, of course she has the button and she can jump between the universes. Like, sure. It's just so funny how, how much we'll take. And then what will be the one thing that pushes us over the edge, you know? Yeah, especially yeah, with like superhero stuff. I'm just like, oh, okay, that's like one step too far. But um, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you mentioned a lot of stuff that you're like, you know, watching and stuff. Um, and I guess anything else, you know, that you're reading or like listening to, I don't know what else is kind of part of your, you know, media diet. But yeah, yeah I mean, just anything else and just sort of how it's really bad about yeah. listening to things because. Um... I, and it's probably an ADHD thing. It's like I either want exactly the music that I want at exactly when I want or I want nothing. And so I used to, before, probably before I started doing this kind of work, it was like I was so passionate about more like the kind of, you know, the indigo girls or like the more kind of indie rock kind of sound and, and knowing a lot about, about those people. But now it's like, I've learned how to work with my brain a little bit better. So it's like, I've kind of fallen out of the music, music passion. And in some ways I really miss that. It was such a fun, but in another way it's cool. Cause it's like, I'm about two years behind 
on the music I used to love that type of genre. Like I love Gregory Allen Isakoff is probably my one of my favorites. I love the head and the heart. I love that kind of Lilith Farish type of women sound, Brandy Carlisle and all those. But what's going to be cool is when I have the time to really investigate it again, there's going to be so much, right? It's all going to be, everyone's going to have two albums and it's all going to be like, who's this new 20 year old that was in high school? The last time I listened to things. So that's kind of a fun thing about music. As far as the, the, the comics that I'm following. So my polls are like what exactly what you would expect. I'm such a girl and um, it's all of the America, of course, are all of those women-led comics that have made so much news, especially right now from Marvel, we, we love those, and that's what Timmy pulls for us. And then, you know, with my son, we read everything Lumberjanes. Like, I don't know, like a lot of the grown-ups listening just don't even understand how great Lumberjanes is. It's so great and it's like we read it and he just laughs hysterically and the really cool thing about Lumberjanes is it's this really diverse set of girls um, where the diversity is not at all what it's about it's just about what the girls do when they're at camp and it's like the camp experience we all wish we could have had because it's like they go into the woods and there's sea monsters and there's you know, just crazy crap happening right and left. And so, but they keep these great characters between, you know, every episode, every issue, every scene, they're so consistent. So, and my son just identifies with one of them so well and he laughs so hard at the things she does. And the cool thing is when I was growing up, my brother would not have read a book or a comic starring all girls. And my son never even thought about it right like he read this comic and he was like I'm like Ripley that's like me I'm like Ripley she's the one I'm like and she's so funny and look how she's so silly and whatever it is he's uh, he found that in there and it's amazing comics have given this to boys in a way that I don't know if other media has um that he loves squirrel girl so much and um uh, more the traditional kind of you know superhero comics like he loves Teen Titans the Teen Titans uh, rebirth is so well written it's really great and the fe- there's great female characters in that but you know of course he identifies with Damien and like he has those kinds of boy kind of heroes in there and he's very traditional boy in so many different ways it'd be okay if he weren't but but he loves the lumberjanes he loves it so I, in that way I'm still like I feel like comics are giving our kids something that they just wouldn't be getting otherwise. And to think about graphic novels, what graphic novels have given kids, like they, the, um, all of Raina's books, like Smile and Sisters and Ghosts, like my, um, my middle schooler read all of those, my son. The, it, the boys eat them up, and they don't think anything of it. They think nothing of it. I read the Babysitter's Club, the original ones, when I was my son's age, and then he's read them all in graphic novel form. Hmm. No boys I knew had read Babysitter's Club in 1988, but in 2018, all the little boys of his age have read Babysitter's Club, and there are, like, no boys in those books. So it's a really neat thing. Yeah. It's good for them. I'm not saying boys don't need to read about boys. They do. They need good male role models, but this has been such a gift. And I, so I really geek out about what comics have done for my kids. Um, and 
in some ways it's funny because I see my my poll file in a way is almost like activism in that it's like if something's coming out Timmy from Arsenal Comics in Newbury Park, California, he was so deserves a shout out because he has created this amazing comic shop that is so inclusive of everybody. Like he knows, he knows he's that perfect comic shop owner where he knows everything about every comic and can just find it on a shelf that you would never think anyone would ever be able to locate anything and gives it to you. And he knows what my kids can read and what they probably shouldn't read and why. And he, when you walk in and you're a brand new person who's never read comics, he knows what to give you by asking you a few questions. He's like that kind of guy, right? And um, it's, so now he knows, like such and such comic is coming out, like America was coming out. He's like, I've got America on order for you. I'm like, yes, I want every single one. I buy it almost like I'm sending a message. I, I buy, I, I would rather read trades. I buy the issues as I want Marvel to see that they're being bought, right? So. That was me going on. That was a total geeking out rampage that hopefully your uh, listeners understand. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes, uh, that makes sense. And um, yeah, because they, um, yeah, certainly, you know, we're voting with our dollars of, you know, the media that we consume. So that's always a good point. Um, but yeah, I think it's great just the appreciation of good stories for their own sake versus, you know, we put ourselves in the boxes. Like you said, it's just like, Oh, the babysitters club is a girl's book or whatever. You know, it's just right. like, Hey, there's good stories that everyone should just read because they're good stories or, you know, they're good characters for good character sake that happen to be female, but it is important to make sure that we are, you know, as you mentioned, just like, you know, you're working for a female led company because it's like, yeah, great. Like, you know, a man is leading a like feminist organization, but it's like, you know, just across all of society, we're kind of getting into the point of just like, okay, you've had your turn this is where we are. Let's sort of like pass the mantle on to somebody else and also just make sure we're uh, having our media represent our society. And, you know, yeah, comics is a place where that's very important because they are, you know, heroes that are people that we hold up in high regard and stuff. And, you know, we're uh, kind of creating the vision that we, uh, you know, want people to see and what they sort of, yeah, like aspire to. So uh, it's certainly interesting yeah. Yeah, sometimes how it's like sometimes the, that stuff is a reflection of where we are now. And sometimes it's like what we aspire to be, but it should also always be just representative and stuff. But um, yeah, so it's, it's cool. Yeah. Like it, I, I look forward to that period of my life where I can, you know, on one hand, yeah, share the things that I've enjoyed with like my children, but also kind of foster that appreciation of uh, yeah, just good stories and just being, uh, you know, experiencing more, diversity through like you know the the comics and the books and the video games and movies and tv and stuff like kind of making sure to keep that diet uh very diverse and kind of full of things that will uh i think just be good for them versus yeah like there's i think certainly a place for those you know things where it's just like fun for fun's sake sort of shallow just kind of like you know chew it up spit it out kind of media but you know it's like, yeah, we all deserve a little like sweet treat like that every once in a while. Just considering like this metaphor of it's like, I don't know, a diet of media is like a diet of food kind of thing or something. I don't know. But yeah. Um, yeah. So well, it's, yeah, it's just cool. The thing that now is for, what's yeah. offered. You don't even have to try. Uh, you know, every kid, I mean, most kids, I would assume, saw The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, right? Mm -hmm. And boys or girls, and it was probably never a question if you like anything even remotely related to that, or if you just go to the movies, that you were going to see it. Of course you're going to see it, right? And then what did they see in that was diverse representation in a way that was, is we, I mean, 
there's all this, just those little things, you know, all of the, all of the pilots that are sacrificing themselves are men and women and ethnically and even their species are very diverse. It's all mixed up. And you, we notice, I notice because when I was growing up, that wasn't real. My kids aren't like, well, look at that. That was like 40% women pilots. Like they're not thinking that they're like pilots. Like that we didn't even have to try. It was the thing they wanted to watch anyway. So we did see Jumanji and it was awesome. And that was very stereotypical in a lot of ways, but they still did a really good job of making it like all four of the characters, five eventually had to work together to solve the problem. And, you know, I love like women and girl led media. It's great. It's awesome. But in the end, our ultimate goal is like, how are the men and women or the boys and girls going to work together to solve the problem? And the first Disney movie or the first kids movie I ever saw that did that was not brave. It wasn't some of the things that you would think it would be. It was Wreck-It Ralph Mm -hmm. where every character, boy, girl, man, woman had a certain thing they were good at. And when they worked together, they solved the problem. And for me, that's been the best kind of model for my kids is in what I want them to see. And that's what you see in Last Jedi. And that's what you, it's what you, that's what we're seeing now. And I think it's a lot healthier than saying like girl power, girl power is great, but like, well, boy power too, (laughs) all different kinds of girls, all different kinds of boys. And when they're all together, teaming up, not in a rivalry, not needing to be in charge of each other taking care of business. That's when they're solving the problems. And I think we're seeing that a lot. That's what we see in shows like Supergirl. And it's what we see now we see more with Arrow. And of course we're seeing it with legends of tomorrow. It's really in effect. And like, yes, there's a female leader, but they all have their thing that they, they bring. So Mm -hmm. in the end, that's the ultimate goal. And I think, um, I think it's just out there. You barely even have to try now to get it, which is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, a good time, and we're moving in the right direction, kind of keep that momentum and progress going. And um, I guess on that note, to, to wrap up the episode, um, if there is like a certain release of a thing, or just generally like with your job or life, whatever, um, just to end the episode on an optimistic, you know, note. <laughs> uh, yeah, what are you looking forward to, just in your job, life, world, and media? Anything that you can think of? Well, of course, I'm really looking forward to and being hopeful about the Captain Marvel movie Mm. with Brie Larson. Like, I love Captain Marvel, of course. And um, I'm excited to see what they do with that. I feel like maybe she's not quite as, like, big and tough as I was hoping she would be. I don't think of her being, like, Captain Marvel's, like, tall and buff and muscular and, like, somewhat terrifying. Sort of like like, sort of like Bobby. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you go, like, oh, this is going to be interesting. But you know what? They do a really good job with those things. And I think they know they have to pay attention for the fans, how that goes. So I think that's not for like two years. I'm always excited to see, I mean, of course, Black Panther, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's like so obvious it almost didn't even say it. So I'm excited to see what kind of new superhero movies we're going to be seeing from Marvel and DC. I'm so excited that Wonder Woman ended up in the top three. Uh, Oh, did Jumanji push it down? I don't think so. But it ended up in the top five for North American gross box office. So we know now people are paying attention. I'm just excited to see what the big companies and some of the smaller ones start doing with superheroes and with um, that kind of media to see what's coming up. Yeah, for sure. I think 2018 is going to be a pretty awesome year. And yes. um, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of good stuff coming out. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll catch all the stuff that we mentioned in the show notes just so folks can follow up on things. Um, 
and uh yeah just ways to connect with you as well and i just uh yeah, really appreciate your time and hanging out here and uh just having a just a good geek out about a lot of cool yeah. stuff so um yeah just really appreciate your time and uh yeah just have a good rest of your day no problem thanks for having me on enjoy your day this podcast is a proud member of the connect edu podcast network bringing together diverse voices and thoughtful discussions to the higher ed community check us out online at connectedu.network or on twitter at connectedu pod Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.